You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is March 7th. 2022 and on today's show we are brought to you by bet online and betonline.net the best place to get in on the ncaa tournament which is about to start here pretty soon so make sure you guys check that out bet online betonline.net some potential rule changes today we've got to talk about the pitch clock which right now sounds like it's going to make its way into games nothing official yet but sounds like we're heading that way also banning of the shift Robo-umps, all of these things are being discussed right now. So we'll have a discussion about that and more on today's show. All right, let's get into it. I am back in the country after my family vacation. I am back in Los Estados Unidos. But uh, I just came from calling a Richmond baseball game. So outside, too, in the press box, 80-some degrees. Want to record this and get it up. So not looking great, but still wanted to make sure got the episode out. So videos will be coming. Hopefully an interview this week uh, with Matt Wyrick is coming up. So hope you guys will enjoy that. But discussion coming today is on a few things. There's been a lot of talk right now about robo-umps. Basically, people are just following John Heyman's Twitter. And that's a smart thing to do at this point in time. But following John Heyman on Twitter, there's been a lot of discussion about a variety of rules right now. And so the big discussion in terms of actual rules is this at the moment. Players Union has agreed to allow the MLB to ban shifts, implement a pitch clock, and make bases larger in 2023. Subject to those agreements, fitting in a total deal, Union also rejected robo-umps for 22 and 23. MLB goal, colon, to be able to streamline the process and add excitement to the game. So a couple things here. Number one, uh, let's start with the shift, right? That's where this this whole thing begins. So I tweeted this out last week. Um, I'm fine with the shift, and, and I've explained it. Like, while I've always made the argument that baseball is an entertainment product, yes, and I want the DH for more entertainment. Also correct. Um, the type of entertainment that brings people in is typically not going to be base hits. Things get up the gap, you know. Uh, beating the shift is not super exciting. Neither is somebody, you know, just hitting a ball up the middle. Like it, it, this stuff is just like it really doesn't do anything for me either way. What it does do, and I, I, you know, I do not have the data to back this up, but I, I, I'd assume that this is true, because all teams shift and they continue to shift. Generally speaking, it does help for the speed of the game because if you're playing off players' tendencies, that's allowing you to get them out a bit more often, then that will allow the game to go faster, if that makes sense, right? So if Joey Gallo only hits it to the right side or, you know, just just you know, going with the example here, if Joey Gallo only hits the ball to one side of the field, then putting all of your defense on that side of the field is a smart thing to do, right? In this case, Joey Gallo does hit the ball exclusively to right field. So putting your defense on the right side and basically saying, okay, go the opposite way is, is the good thing to do. And more often than not, you know, 
You'll see a hard hit ball and people say, oh, it should have been a base hit. Well, no, you know, they're playing off your tendencies because you can only hit the ball in one direction. That allows the game, generally speaking, to go faster because it means that you're going to get out more if you keep doing that tendency. It's also kind of pushing a little bit of you uh, evolving, I guess you could say, as a hitter. Um, so that's why I'm fine with the shift, just because it keeps up pace. Now, you know, I would, I would say, okay, if you're going to do something like get rid of the shift that might actually hurt pacing, what you need to do is something like a pitch clock, which we'll get to in a second here. But but as far as the shift goes, I'm not a believer necessarily that banning the shift is going to make for a more entertaining product just because the kind of hits that happen in a shift, right? Um, I'm sorry, a lot of baseball fans here, we like doubles in the gap. I love it whenever they shift on one side and it beats the other side. I'm like, you dummies, this is the one guy you don't do it to, right? He hits bombs against the shift, you know, opposite side. But, uh, you know, whenever he beats the shift, it's pretty, you know, it's exciting to see for me and for you, but not for the casuals. And look, this is, you know, this is, I know everybody who loves baseball and loves the game and loves all, all sports, they, they like it, you know, when things are made for the hardcore fans. Well, that's not how we make all of our money, right? That's not how businesses make all their money. Uh, UFC is a great example. Like they want crossover stars because they help you reach a casual audience. Sure, if you're like me, you like the big time banger fights, the fan friendly fights, the fan favorite guys, the guys that not everybody knows about, but you and your buddies know about and you can't wait to see them, you know, go at it. The people's main event, if you will. Sure, sure. That stuff is great. I love it. I love seeing smart, good baseball plays. We all like seeing that stuff. All right. The the casuals are, are here trying to help help reach. And the one thing you gotta do is when you're trying to appeal to generations and get the game down in, in terms of time, you know, you gotta try to make it shorter. I actually do think the shift helps in terms of making the game shorter, and you're not sacrificing too much in terms of um, you know, you're not sacrificing too much in terms of entertainment. I, I don't believe that is happening. All right. Second thing is the pitch clock. So this is such an interesting dynamic here. I'm reading from Jesse Rogers does great work over at ESPN it says major league baseball wants to institute a 14 second pitch clock with the bases empty 19 second timer with runners on according to sources familiar with the situation. The two numbers were settled on after experiments with the minors, including low A in 2021, in which the game times were cut by almost 20 minutes. The minor leaguers used 15 seconds and the seven and 17 second clocks, but MLB determined less time was needed for pitchers with bases empty and more time for them occupied, according to sources, hence landing on 14 and 19. The desire for a clock comes after years of increasing game times, culminating last season when the average length of a nine-inning game was a record three hours and 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes longer than just a decade ago when the average length was to 50. Now, uh, we have to say, uh, also it says games in low A West were reduced from three hours and two minutes to two hours and 41 minutes with the clock. There have been some mixed results with the pitch clocks at different levels of pro baseball, but the league believes it can only help speed up the big league product. Um, I was at Missouri, and I don't know if it was when they instituted it, but I know it was, I feel like it was relatively newer when the pitch clock came around in the Southeastern conference, those games were generally long. They still felt very long, but it did, it did help speed up. The one thing that does eventually happen though, is that the pitchers internalize the clock. Like there are a lot of kids uh, and I'm calling a lot of college baseball, depending on what league you're in. I think there's different clocks. I'm not sure it's universal or not 110% sure, 
But a, a lot of kids, you can tell it's almost like they've got a pitch clock that is internalized in a way that they know basically what they're going to do. Um, you know, they, they know ahead of time, like the kind of pacing that they have to have. Right. So I do think it's helpful in some ways. There, there are a couple arguments. Max Scherzer made one where he's like, I just don't believe in it. And I think in some situations, especially in the playoffs, um, you know, those games are long and, and, and can be difficult to watch sometimes. Like if, if, I mean, I love playoff baseball, so I actually don't, I think most people actually don't have a problem watching that, but, um, the holding, uh, you know, the, there is the stare downs because every run is so important and you see guys hold and hold forever and just the time between pitches for deep breaths to calm the nerves, the adrenaline guy stepping out, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like in the playoffs, I'm, I think we're all kind of fine with it because it helps build to these big crescendo moments but generally on a day-to-day, you know, on a, on a regular season game, regular season ba- game basis, I think, I, I think I'm okay with this. I think I'm okay with this. Um, you know, I, you, I, like anything, I, I would need to see it in practice. And obviously I, I'm not watching these low-A games, but, you know, I, I think it's something where maybe you try it out in spring training or maybe even make it in AAA so we get a better idea of what that's like. But, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of the, the thing here is generally speaking – I feel like I am for this, but I don't a hundred percent know. And I think that's okay. I think a lot of us are allowed to feel the same. If you feel really strongly about strongly about this, that's fine. I know a podcaster and generally my job is to have, you know, takes, have opinions on this stuff. But as somebody who's for making the game shorter and also somebody who is really, you know, uh, I've said it a bunch on here, not for messing with these pitchers who are creatures of habit. Like maybe you set the clocks back further and then you try to, over time accommodate them because that's what I'm talking about the college level like by my senior year you know when I was calling games at Missouri it seemed like a lot of the guys just internalized it like you know it's just older guys were just used to it and younger guys got used to it and and the clock was just there and didn't really feel like it was that relevant at some point so I think there are different ways to look at this once again if you feel super strongly about it that's fine I think I'm fine with it right now unless it really messes up pitchers I don't want to see that but I think trying that out might be good. The real reason you're seeing game lengths, you know, they can go is the amount of pitching changes, right? I mean, it's, this game is becoming um, ever so specialized more and more. And you're seeing teams use more pitchers, uh, you know, more of the time, more games. And so I I think that's where um, some of the game length is coming. And obviously the three batter minimum rule, which I like a lot is aimed towards fixing some of those things, right? That is, that is a direction that's going to be, uh, it's going to help with stuff like that. But still, that didn't really help that much. Now, all these things have to work together in concert to me. That's the big idea, right? All of these things need to work together to form one, you know, kind of cohesive, okay, we're, we're shortening the games. We're doing it the right way. This doesn't feel artificial. That's the key, right? We don't want to go see baseball games where, it may, where we feel like what's happening is contrived or artificial or not in the spirit of the game. That's why when a, when a, you know, when we go and see, um, uh, universal DH, you know, when we see, let's just give an example, Riley Adams hitting as opposed to Patrick Corbin, we're not going to feel cheated. Some of you jokesters out there may, might be like, Oh, the strategy's gone or, Oh, I wanted to see those guys hit, but like, th- that's not how we're all going to feel on the whole. We're not going to feel like we're getting cheated there. So I, I think that's important, um, with this aspect of what's going on right now. There is something I want to hit on though, with all this kind of rule change discussion, 
And I want to hit on that next. You know, is this the right time to be having these conversations? Some say yes, some say no. I'll tell you what I think next. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. already mentioned it. The NCAA tournament is just around the corner, folks. Conference tournaments are this week, one of the best weeks of the year. If you're looking to get in on the action today, BetOnline and BetOnline.net, the best place to do it. They've got odds for all of your favorite college basketball teams, ACC tournament odds, SEC tournament odds, NCAA tournament odds. And they also have hockey, boxing, UFC. They had odds last night for the All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view, which I thought was pretty cool to see. So a uh, excuse, uh, BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go check them out today. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. So I think there's another interesting factor that we're kind of missing here is that um, is it appropriate right now to be really focusing on rule changes when it's so clear that the divide is a financial one? And that is where a lot of the focus needs to be, right? I feel like a lot of people, and myself included, are like, all right, enough with the, the changes to the the shift and the pitch clock and whatnot. And I, playoffs is a money thing, which once again, I've talked about this a bunch, but um, this, this is something that, you know, I, I think has been brought up now. CC Sabathia um, on his podcast made a good point where he said that basically the time is now um, I'll, I'll read Jesse Rogers quotes him here and says, um, well, let me find the quote here. This is a time to make some changes fundamentally to the game and quote Sabathia said, on his Ringer podcast, R2C2, quote, but the thing is that players are like most baseball purists. They don't want the game changed. Some of these guys still don't want to DH the National League and all this different, you know what, like no pitch clock. Have you ever been watching the effing games we've been watching, end quote? The past few years, uh, the average game length has increased from 45 minutes. Um, All right, so, you know, he says, all right, you know, the time to make these changes is now. There is a part of me that that says, sure, like if we're going to overhaul baseball, do it all right now. The other part of me says, good Lord, they're already so far apart on the money stuff. Then I, I don't want to keep waiting around right now, uh, you know, and, and have this potentially drive a wedge between them maybe even further. Or why aren't they just focusing on the money? Because um, that's where the big issue is right now. So that's, you know, I think there's, once again, this, this comes to, uh, I feel like with the money stuff, it's, it feels pretty black and white. Like the public support is on the player's side and people are mad at the owners, right? Um, I think the players and fans are split on a lot of these things. And so CC Sabathia makes a great point. Max Scherzer makes a great point. Says like, I don't want this to happen. Um, it looks like the players are going to give into it. Now that would be the part of a larger deal, right? Any of these things can be taken back at any moment. If one side feels like this was a, you know, if the players feel like they made a concession here with the pitch clock and then they give up something financially, they might say, well, take that pitch clock out. You got yourself a deal, right? Uh, take out banning the shift and you got yourself a deal. Um, stuff like that. That's where it could come back into place. This stuff is, 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 while it's agreed upon, it's agreed upon under the auspices that like a good faith deal comes together and there's still good chances that they might 
move some of these things around. Um, so that is, that is something I, you know, I think is a, yeah. I mean, the idea that baseball needs to change, I agree with doing it all at once. Maybe, you know, CC says it does and the players might think, no, let's do gradual change. We'll give them, give the owners some right now to help their game. Uh, one more thing too, the players are making a new, uh, the, the players are making another, uh, it's another deal across the MLBPA. Um, the players are sending one to the MLB, excuse me. So we'll see what happens here. But I know the sentiment is it feels like the sides might be drifting a bit further apart. John Heyman had another tweet today um, that said, it's, I think it was, you know, this is, it was basically like not good news. Um, he says, let's see, the luxury tax remains the big issue of impediments. Um, the owners are at $220 million in 2022 to 220, uh, $230 million in 26 players uh, want 238 and 22 and 263 and 26. You know, that's just to, to me, simple ec economics here, like your revenues are increasing. And that's, that's the big problem here is that so much of the stuff in baseball is not tied to revenues. So what you're seeing happen is the players have to like ball, which is, you know, this is another issue, but the players have to ballpark what the projections or what the revenues might be so that they're not getting shafted when that comes around, right? If they went to 230 million and revenues continue to grow over the next, you know, five or six years, then 230 million might be a joke uh, for the salary for a um, uh, the luxury tax threshold in 2026. That's why they want this thing to jump uh, $43 million ostensibly and I, I think, you know, that's one of those where it's like you, you can't you can't meet them in the middle because if, if revenues just explode, uh, you're going to be in a bad spot. And also you'd be jacking the price up right now, luxury tax price up to a place where actually a lot of owners can afford right now. And the ones that don't want to afford that actually don't even have to go that high. Right. So um, this is something that I think the players need to stay strong on. Like There's many things, but they need to make sure that they're getting their piece of the pie. And that's why you're seeing sports like NBA, NFL, uh, they have, you know, their, their CBAs, a lot of the revenue sharing, it's sharing, it's tied directly to percentages, tied to revenues. Baseball is not like that. That's what's caused these things to happen um, the way it has. Also, unions pre-arbitration pool uh, is now $80 million. Um, that's their ask, and the league is offering $30 million class. There's a, there's a chasm. Right there, another John Heyman tweet says, quote, both sides believe that they've made pretty sizable, um, pretty sizable concessions, and the other side has made very few. Both sides believe the other is being unreasonable. The one thing that both sides agree on now that we may be in for quite uh, quite a wait. Um, so this, you know, th this is not obviously progress from where we were last week. And it feels like, and the WFA and sports tweeted this, clubs have an offer at 220 for the first threshold. The union wants 238. There's, there's a number both sides can live with. We have to get to that. Each day we cancel games, there's less money for everybody. Um, that was on Carton Roberts. Um, but, you know, I don't know if there's a number that both sides, can, like the owners could definitely live with the 263, whatever it is, especially revenues. Need to jump, and also there's no there's no guarantee you have to meet that number at the 263, whatever it would be. 
Um, so that that's why that's why what you're seeing right now is like once again, this is a cold war. It feels like that these two sides with that big of a once again a chasm are just sitting here and kind of staring each other down. Um, so you know, big financial issues, but that brings up the question. And look, we'll talk more about RoboOMS later on in the week, but um, that one's an interesting one. So the idea that we maybe should we be altering gameplay stuff while we're still so far apart in the financials? Definitely think it's it's a reasonable, rational conversation for us to a rational conversation for us to have. All right, one more break. When we come back, I will give you guys the latest Freddie Freeman news. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to built.com today. That's built.com. They've got the low-calorie, high-protein, delicious bar to replace your candy bars. They've got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to built.com today. It's built.com. Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at built.com today. Also, today's show is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. Save time and money when going to rockauto.com. The ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for you to go to your local chain auto parts store to, uh, to get all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning of, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait for the person behind the counter with to order the parts on their computer or choosing the only brand their warehouse has to carry. You don't need that. Go on your computer and go to rockauto.com today. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 from a chain store. It's only 216 at rockauto.com. It's a family run business serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. Their prices are always reliably low, so go there today, rockauto.com. Write Locked On for the How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, so some news today is that Freddie Freeman got an offer from the Tampa Bay Rays. (laughs) He said, John Heyman says, the low-revenue Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, made superstar Freddie Freeman an offer before the lockout. Yankees very interested. Jays, Dodgers, others could fit. It's a surprise. Braves didn't lock him up before lockout. They were made in the mix. New daily feature, actual baseball news. Um, John Heyman just on fire today. I also want to mention this. Like, So Formula One is Formula One is absolutely exploding right now. Um, Liberty Media, which you know those people also own the Braves as well, just had a World Series champion and just had Formula One explode in the United States. Um, if I am them, like they've got the money to lock Freddie Freeman up. They should have done it, but, uh, we'll have more on this later on in the week, but you know, there's some, some motion. It's, it's fun to hear these stories about these offers that are happening during, uh, or before the lockout happened. It's, you know, almost like going back in a time machine. Also nice to have some non lockout related baseball news. All right. That will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at L O underscore nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Make sure you find us on YouTube. We're ramping things up, doing more questions to answer. Uh, start answering those 10 biggest questions. The Nationals heading into 2022 will be easier to do 
once we know how long the season will be and whatnot. But I'm going to start answering those questions soon. So make sure you find us on YouTube. Uh, make sure you find us on Twitter. And uh, make sure you guys find me on Twitter as well, at Josh Neighbors underscore. All right, that will do it for today's show. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.